Hello and welcome. This time, Dave Thomas, that's me, attempts to show that the German crimi films of the 1960s have a lot in common with the Italian jelly of the 1970s, and I managed to prove pretty much the exact opposite. John Deere, my co-host, just shakes his head sadly. In Alfred Vora's 1967 crazy caper, The College Girl Murders, aka Der Monk mit der Peitsche. Please join us. peaceful girls' school near London, and suddenly, murder strikes. I've been wanting to tell you for ages how much I both... Damn it! Let go of me! The College Girl Murders, a mysterious monk who hunts down innocent girls. Scotland Yard battles desperately to trap the ruthless killer. In this gay and carefree atmosphere lurks horror and death. Who is the mastermind behind these terrifying murders? What strange powers enable him to twist ordinary men into slaves? The College Girl Murders. A masterpiece of suspense and intrigue guaranteed to keep you guessing. In the course of our discussion this time around, we touch on gendered violence, sexual assault, and, somewhat surprisingly, the Holocaust. So we've established that we're going to call this the college girl murders rather than the monk and the whip one, because that's, that's rather a silly title, and college girl murder seems to fit with the... the, the the, the slightly problematic giallo aesthetic. Um, yes. But my first question really is, why on earth did you choose this? It's not a giallo. It has some superficial instances of Barber influence, I, I, I assume, although I will, I, I will, I will take guidance, guidance from you in that. But it comes across as a... a somewhere between a crime thriller, a Bond film, um, and something that's directed by Blake Edwards. Um, so what exactly am I watching and why? Fair point. Uh, so this one uh, is me mostly being an idiot. Uh, oh, that's the good sim- to know. <laughs> for the simple fact that, uh, that so there is generally kind of acknowledge this crossover between German crimi films and I'll uh, endeavour to talk a bit about what crimi film is although I am by no means an expert and actually it's just it's weirdly a genre where there doesn't seem to be as much kind of academic analysis as, as there has been on things like the giallo and Italian horror cinema. To be honest, not being an expert on something is in no way precluding you from doing a podcast. If it was, there well, would be next to no podcasts. Yes, very true. Um, so I was kind of keen to uh, include one as the sort of, you know, this is another weird offshoot branch into side street of, of European kind of thriller cinema, Jallo-esque type thing. Now, there are there are a ton of these. Um, the the crimi genre was was hugely popular in Germany, primarily kind of all from the same studio. This Rialto uh, is it? Rialto is the production company, and they right. who were I think, I think Swedish, uh, somewhere somewhere Scandi, um, and they partnered with a German company called Constantin Film, um, who I actually. I'd only ever seen on like bad director video action films, but I didn't realise they had this, you know, past. Uh, they'd been around in Germany for for a lot for a long time, and so I thought, right, great, I'll I'll throw in a crimi. Now I haven't seen a ton of crimi. I have a bunch of them. Uh, a lot of them are only available in Germany, and sort of their English friendliness is quite spotty, whether they have a dub or, or subtitles. Um, but I had seen this one, and it kind of represents the sort of batshit crazy end of of what crimi is because they do have a reputation for being kind of somewhat bonkers and it was only as i was re-watching it i was thinking 
if I wanted to kind of show the crossover point between the Krimi and the Jallo, this is a really bad film to pick. <laughs> hmm. So, because um, it's actually, if it's not the last one in the cycle, it's pretty close to the end. It's one of the last couple. So I think there's a sense that, you know, they're all pretty much based on either Edgar Wallace or his son, Brian Edgar Wallace. And the Brian Edgar Wallace ones, you know, because Edgar Wallace is all about mysteries and secret societies and nefarious goings on and, you know, weird masked assailants. And Brian Edgar Wallace is like that, but more so and stupider. <laughs> um, and so as the series goes on, they kind of go from being, you know, relatively serious thrillers to whatever the hell this is. And of course, I, I think that's a function of we've done this so many times the plots are sort of largely similar. I mean, the, the the book that this one is based on, which I think is The Sinister Monk or The Terror or, you know, sort of various titles, um, that this is like the third adaptation that just Rialto had done of it. So God. so I think it's it's a case of what do we throw in that we haven't already done? Or if we have done it, how do we do it sort of bigger and sillier? Sort of the Roger Moore Bond, you know, yeah. thing. Um, I say that as as a huge fan of Roger Moore's Bond. I, I don't mean that as a dispar- disparaging at all. Um, and I actually quite enjoy this movie. But as I said, as, as the crossover point for Jallo to Krimi, there are probably way better examples that I could have picked uh, instead of this one. You had one job. I had one job. <laughs> Do we want to attempt uh, to, to um, introduce the plot? Yeah, why not? Um. <laughs> um, it wasn't. It wasn't immediately that I realised uh, it's set in England. Yes, as most of them are actually. The, the, right. the, it's generally that the hero is generally you know Scotland Yard. Yeah, which is hilarious is, it, because they're all no very way German. Film, sorry, it is in no way filmed in England, and no, there are no not. English actors in it, and the entire nope. film is is the dialogue is in, is, is 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 German. Um, yep. But it, but yeah. But for say, you know, as you would watch, I don't know, um, Valkyrie, uh, you wouldn't question why everyone's just talking in their own voices and not and being either American or or, or, or British. And so you get into the habit of, oh, this is just, um, this is just the Germans setting a film in uh, in in England with with English characters, if not if not English actors. And once mm. you're past the, the that slight culture shock. Um, it becomes fascinating as sort of a, a sort of a, as a sort of a, a mirror through which a sort of Teutonic mirror through which sort of British society is played up quite uh, quite well. Nevertheless, the plot. Um, well, we start uh, in a very gothic vein with two two scientists, one of whom's dastardly mad, and they appear to have invented the the world's uh, most perfect poison. That one of them is uh, questions the morals of of, of 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 the other, and is promptly killed by the rather convoluted way of a secret uh, compartment within a book that activates the poison when it opens. This is one of the less subtle of the Chekhov's guns we will we will encounter in films, um, mm. and and quite why he's helping the other scientists because you create what he must have known is this lethal neurotoxin. Yeah. And then at the last minute, be like, "This is terrible. You, yeah. you know, you can't possibly use this. It's like you've been working on this for like years." Yeah. Only now you've decided, well, it's expedient to the plot that you're going to have a crit. You're going to have a, uh, a conscience about it. Nevertheless, <laughs> the uh, the scientist who is um, has a crisis of conscience is killed, and the other scientist uh, takes the um, takes the poison to the person who he is, has clearly. Uh, he intends to sell the poison too. And here's me thinking, oh, this is where the plot gets going. This is where this scientist revealed, to, oh no, this scientist has just been killed by a monk in with a whip. The monk, by the way, dressed in a, a, a brilliant a habit, a brilliant red. Um, I'm not sure if monk, he has like, you know, the sort of high, the sort of high pointed, pointed cap that you often see at sort of freakish Spanish religious festivals um so he's basically like a a red kkk hood yes he looks like a fabulous clan member um uh and he's killed uh the the monk kills the scientist and the 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 poison the poison is taken by by persons unknown 
then we cut to a prison and a prisoner is transferred uh, and sits in with another prisoner who says, uh, do you want to earn some money and get out? Um, because he has a job for him uh, from contacts on the outside. And a series of corrupt um, employees at the prison manage to smuggle him out in a in with, with the, the refuse. And he's picked up um, in a Rolls Royce by by Mr. Slugworth from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, who takes him to a, to a very, very Bond villain house, um, which, you know, from the outside seems... Well, from the outside, is not English at all, uh, but um, is, is meant to be a house in, a house in the English countryside, uh, which contains, a, you know, a, a, a crocodile pit and cages and is, is very, very Bond villain. And is taken into a room where you only see the back of, the, of, the, of, of our supervillain, and that is in no way a fake body decoy double with a, with a voice reverberating around the room and Aquaria adorning the walls. And this is, yeah, they're going for, they're going for the, the, the Bond villain aesthetic. And nevertheless, uh, our prisoner uh, is given the, the task of murdering a college girl. He's given a Bible to do this and is told in instructions that on no account does he open the Bible. Just when the, the moment comes and, she, and they arrive for Sunday service, is he to switch the Bibles that she has? Um, he does this. She opens the Bible, and as before with the scientist, she is killed. She is killed by poison, and our prisoner makes good his escape to Mister Slugworth's Rolls Royce, and he's then safely ensconced back in prison as a brilliant alibi. The victim, by the way, I later re- I later realised is the woman from um, Vampirous Lesbos, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's uh, Ewa Stromberg. Yes, I recognised her from my misspent films of my of, of my university days playing pam in this film yes uh she has quite a small part yes um the police investigation investigation is opened um where we have a fairly standard sort of inspector higgins of the yard character and a pompous twat called sir john who's entirely uh, motivated by um his poor grasp of of psychiatry uh, to try and catch the villain using psychoanalysis rather than, you know, evidence and questioning uh, and, 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 and invest, an investigation. Um, and they uncover various nefarious activities in the college. The college, We find out the girls have been going to parties with one of the teachers and one of the teachers is very, very obsessed with one of the other girls. Uh, and it's it's all a bit problematic. It's basically everyone's a nonce. Is how you're meant to you're meant to see this. You're meant to see this school. There's only one woman teacher, and she's the head teacher. That seems a bad start for this yep. girls' school. Yeah, who do we want to work in this girls' school? Well, it's a bunch of old men. Oh, that's that's not a that's not a recipe book. I want to I want to peruse. Well, there's, there there are a couple of a couple of younger men, including the head teacher's uh, brother. I, 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 I think. Do well, author brother. Yes. Deadwell awful brother and the gardener who um is 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 a rather basic character who who just seems to be there for 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 later slightly awkward plot resolution um <laughs> nevertheless um the the bodies start to start to pile up as the girl the girls are picked off and yet this red monk turns up um for reasons i'm still not entirely clear because we don't we know that the the monk isn't the killer because the killer's the bloke who keeps getting out of prison um so the question becomes not who is the killer but um who is basically controlling the killer to do the to do the killings um well the monk is also killing people but not but but not the girls <laughs> not the victims that the police are investigating yes we don't really know the motive for the monk uh, and it all it all resolves itself um, with basically a lot to um, to inherit the fortune of the very rich girl before she becomes of age. Um, um, but between the the actual killer being being revealed and and the monk being revealed as the head teacher, I'm not entirely sure I followed uh, how the plan works. And, and to what extent the massive, massively, massively convoluted way they go around killing the people when there are lots of other perfectly easy ways uh, to kill young people in a secluded wood. Than, mm. I mean, you know, um, uh, and often the victims, the poison starts to look like 
I don't know if people have seen the Doctor Who serial, The Web, the Web of Fear, but the Yeti fire web guns and uh, strands of uh, uh, sticky web quiet at the back there um, um, <laughs> cover, cover the girls' faces. Um, and there's a, it's a very similar and again equally convoluted uh, reason as to as, as to why, as opposed to you know poison them or you know strangle them or stab them, um, or just use a normal gun. And yeah, uh, the fact the fact that I think for the second victim he gets on a bus, so he he's, he kills her on a bus, even though you know she's she leaves she's walked through a secluded wooded area. Uh, to get to sound, there's like infinitely better ways she could be killed and not be not be discovered for days. Uh, it, it's it's a mess. Um, it's quite fun in places and it's quite stylish in places, but it's so tonally diverse and it has a lot of characters appearing and disappearing um, more than the plot can really take. Uh, yeah. That you start to sort of lose sense of where the, where the film is going, and then the ending feels quite rushed, and then. To top it off, and I really wasn't expecting this, the last shot breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> yes. As basically the end floats into one of the fish tanks behind behind our characters. They react to it and leave and leave the set. <laughs> yes, we'd better according, go then. According, accordingly, um, it that that it it doesn't work. But it's the sort of it's the sort of thing that done if done better that you could see Blake Edwards um, mm. um, um, doing. But it it flies from gothic horror. To Bond, to Jello, the scene where, um, particularly the colour aesthetics of the the red monk chasing the uh, uh, the girl, is it Betty? I think mm. uh, the girl who's dressed all in yellow um, mm. through the through through the woods is is pure barva. Mm. Um, and you, but it's tonally and structurally a mess. Mm. Yeah, and I've sort of thought I've got my head around in the way that Jello is a mess. Uh, but Jallo has, uh, if not a consi- if if not totally consistent, then a certain style uh, with which you've come with which you come to expect. It generally has beautiful camera work, um, and you're able to sort of uh, piece together what's going on uh, in a more consistent fashion than you are with this. But nevertheless, that's 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 as much as I, I could. I've only ever watched it once. I've I've mm. probably missed something, but I'm not entirely sure um, that I've really done done justice to how absurd. Yeah. And absurdly convoluted uh, the plot to basically inherit a girl's wealth is and why it needs the death of about six other people before that anyway yeah i mean that's a bit, that plot has turned up certainly i don't know if it's in one of the films that we've covered but certainly something adjacent no, i can't remember but there, there, there's a jello where basically it is that hiding the real victim amongst the victims of a of another serial killer which is something that i think turns up reasonably often enough that it it can be considered a trope but the as you say the manner in which the use of the poison which is supposed to be undetectable but then they all detect it really quickly as opposed to a more kind of physical violent way of killing the girls is supposed to kind of throw off suspicion as is the fact that, well, he can't have done it because he was in prison the whole time, despite the fact that several people who recognise him have actually seen him committing the crimes. Yeah. So just the fact that when they go to the jail cell, he's there doesn't really, doesn't really throw off suspicion. Um, but it's that kind of film. Can I also um, slightly question the the um, the thoroughness of the police investigation after the first killing? She's killed by... Um, a poison-laden Bible, which just has a slight, which has a complex mechanism in it instead of instead of pages, um, that is never recovered from the scene. Indeed, mm. uh, the uh, the red monk later later retrieves it from a wardrobe. Meaning, like when the police investigation of the body was concerned, they just tidied up all the Bibles and didn't check any of them, even yeah. though they knew she was killed by poison and didn't say investigate the thing she was holding when she mm. died. Um, that's and that doesn't even warrant a mention. I thought initially he would have swapped it back or something, but no, no, they just they just didn't bother to check. That was. I, I thought it was quite impressive too that the poison is so targeted that it's kind of spraying all over the place because it's you know aerosol, one, yeah, one, yeah, sort of one of the Doctor Who movie fire extinguisher Dalek guns. Yes. It just sprays all over the place, but you know it only kills her and no one else notices. Yeah, no one knows how it ha- how it happens, and she closes it. Yeah, even though she's <laughs> coughing. Um, yeah. <laughs> It isn't. It isn't a great plan. No, no. But it is. I mean, it is that that is kind of a one of the uh, 
one of the crimmy trademarks is you know hot, fiendishly convoluted plan i mean the key thing i think with with the kind of jello if not influence or crossover or you know the kind of cross percolation is in the kind of the disguises and the esoteric kind of killing methods so while the monk with the whip is a bit over the top you know it's not a million miles away from someone in a kind of blank face mask with you know some sort of weird hand of a clock that they're stabbing prostitutes with which is you know where you kind of go in the jello well that in itself is fine it's just um it's full of things that don't add up equally mm. um while maintaining no sense of um sort of uh, style narrative or you know a consistent tone um mm. and at least uh you know jalo tends to go be crazy and stay there yes um yeah, yeah i agree while having you know beautiful lighting due to something for visual yeah the killings are either you know having your neck broken by a whip which you don't often see or being poisoned with some web slinging i'm not going to mm. talk any more about the um <laughs> nature of the i mean it's probably not the most problematic thing in the film to be honest because if I if I had to pick one thing, I mean, because the you know it is so this would be sixty seven. So they, and the the sort of film it is there is a lot of you know look at all these pretty, not actually teenage but playing teenage girls in in swimming costumes. And there's even they, so they have a a school swimming pool. So it must be a nice school yeah. with you know an underwater <laughs> window so with that the teachers can pair yeah, on yeah. them. Yes, that's, that's clearly to check on their strokes. <laughs> which they obviously know about because there's a there's a bit later on where i think one of the i can't remember which of the teachers is murdered um because i i have several characters that i've just tagged as kind of suspicious teacher um yeah. but they're actually watching through the window in the pool yeah. that he's been murdered so they clearly know that there are teachers perving on them from the basement indeed yeah. he's he's murdered by the monk isn't he because yes. he's not he's he's outside of the pattern mm. uh, because he's not one of the college girls um mm. but yeah that's the one that was perving on betty is it betty, betty? i betty, think it's betty yes. yeah yeah he says i just want to talk i just want to talk oh no i've grabbed you and tried to kiss you so yes. that's rather <laughs> i'm always doing that uh i don't want to grab you and kiss you don't i'll grab you and kiss you um, <laughs> you've seen through my slightly elaborate <laughs> disguise of being a bit of a nonce but of course and again this isn't something this is something that, that it's followed followed by in in, in several jellos but it's always amusing that not only are they quite thankfully uh a bit older than genuine college girls they it's good to know that uh they allow them to wear fabulous makeup in bed yes indeed it's good and they don't and they don't wake up like you know like like women who've like fallen asleep in their makeup after pissed which just basically like looks smeared like smeared all over the pillow. Yes, went over, over the pillow and over their face. Right, so they wake up with fabulous sixties makeup. Of course, so. and wear those weird pointy bras to bed, which must be incredibly yes. uncomfortable. D- don't turn over in those. You really will have someone's eye out. <laughs> so, what do yeah. we know about um, about the about the cast and crew? Actually, no, the crew first. Who's the director? Alfred Vora. What can you tell me about uh, him? Alfred Vora. So he actually. Um, had a fairly long career. The the thing that I mostly know about him is of the Rialto crimi films, because the, basically Rialto did all of the things that are kind of officially crimi, if you like. Um, they had this huge cycle that ran from the fifties to sixty seven or thereabouts. Um, and there are other movies that are that are crimi adjacent and Edgar Wallace adjacent. That other companies did, but of if you like the official ones, he did the vast majority of them i think something like 32 of these things so he you know is definitely the the go-to guy um other than that i don't think i've ever seen anything much that he's directed um the other guy who did quite a few of them is a a director called harold reinor um and the only other thing i know him from is there's a german knockoff of a kind of mario barva meets hammer film called variously the snake pit and the pendulum or castle of the walking dead there's a lot of castles that has christopher lee and and lex barker and karen door in it and a lot of the oh, castle of the, it's castle of the living dead yes is it living dead is it living dead there's, there's, there's walking the dead so, the, so there's the one there's the one that uh michael reeves didn't direct but everyone thinks he did direct and i think that's castle of the living dead which also has christopher lee in it just to make oh, right, it yes, that, that much that more one, confusing yeah. okay that's the right um, thinking of 
but yeah the karen door christopher lee one is, is is that's that's a lot of fun actually um but again kind of much more gothic horror than 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 giallo um and interestingly i mean a lot of the actors and again this one is sort of a little bit atypical because i think because it's late in the cycle so there are actors who have done a bunch of these but you know someone like karen door who i think was possibly married to alfred Furler or, or married to harold reinal one of the two was known for kind of German films, but also famously like a Bond girl. And Klaus Kinski basically got his start in the, the sort of earlier crimi films. So, and then went on to do a bunch of more jalloy type things. Um, in fact, there there is a, a particular film called Double Face, directed by Ricardo Freda, which I, I've heard sort of Tim Lucas, uh, the, the the writer on Many Things Jallo, sort of said. You know, you have to apply some force to it to get it to either be a, a crimi or a jelly, but that doesn't stop people trying. So it's sort of somewhere in the middle, um, which I think is pro- would probably have been a slightly better discussion subject because it's a much more kind of serious kind of murder mystery than, you know, Mr. Slugworth in his Rolls Royce delivering convicts and gas Bibles. Um, but they, I mean, they're clearly having a laugh, aren't they? Oh, of no, course. It's, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it's, it, the the tone, if anything, is is incredibly tongue in cheek. And I think again, you know, that that's not necessarily consistent through the series. That's just, I think, at this point, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's. I think there's a there's a mix, you know, going on because certainly the guy who plays um, Sir John, who is Siegfried Schoenberg, so he is a bit of a, re- a regular in these, and he'd actually played Sir John before. Um, oh, in, okay. a pre- in a previous film which was also based on the same Edgar Wallace story as this one <laughs> so, ah, okay. so um, so you know it, it, I, I think though you know the, the audience at this point is probably like you know sort of just lapping these up as you know they, they've, they've got silly I mean they're probably pretty silly to begin with because Edgar Wallace is not someone that you go to for kind of you know serious gritty drama I don't think but uh, I mean, and it's also interesting to kind of compare because you know there's that famous uh, or, or I guess probably largely forgotten now, but you know, famous to folks like us, you know, the the kind of British Edgar Wallace presents kind of film series, which were kind of done much more sort of modestly and and yeah. uh, sensibly. I mean, even even if you count, you know, you discount kind of Patrick McGee driving around sort of Greater London in a sort of finned caddy. Um, other other than that, they're fairly kind of pedestrian uh, compared to the german ones which is why kind of why the german ones are fun but also much much sillier <laughs> it, and i think if i'd gone in knowing this is pretty much a comedy um mm. or at least something that's played for laughs mm. i'd have probably i'd have probably been, been 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 more forgiving i tend to go into these blind and had some expectation of it was a bit shallow adjacent mm. um and you know it had some strong visuals so i was mm. persuaded the other thing that um i i because I haven't seen many uh, many German films from the from the sixties, um, was you know when you watch a good silent German film, you don't watch something by Fritz Lang, and you see you know Conrad Veidt in something as well. You always think, oh yeah, Conrad Veidt had to get the hell out of Dodge mm. <laughs> at a cer- at a certain point, uh, and then go and make films in America or, or mm. Britain, um, and then you watch these films, and you're thinking, these are full of people that didn't get the hell out of Dodge, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. These these are people that were Nazis making making <laughs> films. I mean, yeah, well, no, I'm not saying maybe. every I'm not saying every member of the cast was like in the SS. Uh, yeah, they could be in. The no, Nazis. I I I I know what you're getting at. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but you I all mean... you all basically advocated that. I mean, past, partly because you know you like your family may have been killed, but nevertheless, like you. You fought on the wrong side in the Second World War, didn't you guys? Um, and it's, I find it sometimes. Well, I find I find it hard to to to, to divorce that from. You. I mean, in fairness, that's probably true of a lot of the, of the actors in the Jelly as well, because if you think we're looking at like seventies films, some of those yeah, older but guys Itali- like yeah, yeah, but they're Italians. They don't, you know, they just that's not the same. That's <laughs> here. I'm going for gradations of fascism. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I keeps don't, coming up. It, it does. Now I don't know any particular details, but you know the director mm. I, I noticed was was like in his uh, would have been in his mid twenties when mm. the war started. Um, mm. So you know he probably fought in the war, didn't they? But no one talks about it. He hasn't got any credit. <laughs> he hasn't got any credited work for, as, as a director before nineteen fifty eight. 
Um, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing the German film industry yeah. wasn't exactly ready to roll at the by the end of by the end of 45, um, but or 44. Uh, but um, there is, I think, an extra level of acceptance you have to go through when realizing mm. that pretty much every man in the if you watch films at a certain time and everything, you know. These are people that advocated the Nazi regime, and I'm watching them be a bit bumbly and a bit funny, and I'm like, "How many Jews did you did you, did you kill?" <laughs> this was it's, I couldn't really get really get that out of, out of my head. I was actually researching the the the, the director a bit um, before right. we uh, before we looked at this, just because I was curious. I'd never heard of him, and I, I you know post war German mm. stuff up until you know for the sixties. I was a little into the seventies when we started to get to, to Fassbender and stuff, uh, but I know very very little. Uh, from this time, so was it's actually and this yeah as you say this guy has a strong history of these type of films the crimi films they took them as well but then later on he he um yeah he goes into doing a lot, a lot of TV stuff and a lot of TV series I know next to nothing about you know German TV so I looked at oh, he, oh he's he directed several episodes of famous series Derek and I was like oh what's Derek and it's just like oh it's a it's a long running police detective series with Chief Inspector Stefan Derek and his assistant uh, Harry Klein. So I thought, oh, that's nice. Long-running series as well. Oh, I wonder, wonder who that stars. So stars a guy called Horse Tappert. Oh, I don't know. What did he do? Oh, he was in the SS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, and it's then he just finished and became an actor. Yep. Forgive and forget, he, eh, guys? He was he was in the uh, the administrative bit of the... Uh, yeah, oh, that's all right. That's, 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 that's all right, it's, then. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I have no idea. I just, you know... Didn't literally like, turn the taps, did he? <laughs> I this mean, is not actually where I expected this this to go. I'm sorry. It's it's, uh, it's no, it's fine. It's um, it's all fascinating context. Yeah, it wasn't something I, and this is something I probably realised that I hadn't seen much German stuff of this because I was immediately going, "You're a Nazi. You're a Nazi. And you, can, <laughs> you did you you may not have shot the you know the gypsy man in, in the head in front of his in front of his family, but you might have been standing guard nearby. And you've got to live with. It. And you know maybe you know maybe they they were they were tortured by 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 huge guilt good i, I was um, in the other room <laughs> i was in the other room when when those when those gypsies were, 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 were yeah were, were killed. They, they'd been executed when i found them yeah how many oh yeah everyone in that film yeah it was just someone else wasn't it yeah the people they just couldn't that the nuremberg were going oh the person yeah maybe maybe the director had been in had been in prison for ten years before this. Before this, who knows? Let's talk about something else. Who? I mean, do we know anything about the? Oh, I was about to say, like, so the actors you've got. Uh, who, you, so Inspector, yeah. Ah, oh, yes, uh, Joachim Fuschberger. Fuschberger. <laughs> well said. Fuschberger. I, I, Don't say. In... I was also not relishing attempting that one. Joachim. Who uh, playing Inspector Higgins? Who again was a, a pretty much a regular in, in these playing essentially this character. I mean, not the same character, but you know, the, the, they tend to have either a PI or a or a Scotland Yard inspector as as the hero. Does kind of differentiate them kind of significantly from from Jelly because the you know the police solve the case. I was going to say the police are competent. I don't think that's I think that's a little going that's a little not far. <laughs> but they did, they're literally they did being, they're being killed pretty much under your nose yeah it's yeah uh, they do solve the case but a lot of people get killed uh all in the same location pretty much yeah 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 it, yeah. it doesn't cover himself in yeah, glory. mentioned there's a there. secret he, passage at the school which um which is apropos to nothing like a lot of things in this film it's like the monk comes out of a secret passage oh that's true yeah there's quite a cool sequence isn't there yeah which is interesting because the secret passage is, is literally the fireplace lifts up and the fire is still there in, in the grate, which means that monk is very lucky. Not you know, Those robes are not made of polyester, clearly. No, the monk basically, when he first comes through, also, like, the lifting up of the fireplace over the secret entrance just basically means the monk doesn't have to bend down as much. That's a lot, <laughs> yes. of, that's a lot, that's a lot of work to go through just for a slightly more convenient um, exit or, or, or entrance. And also, it solves no fucking purpose. The monk could just yeah. have it on his toes out of the door. Yeah. Or her toes, yeah. sorry. It's, uh, it's, yeah. well, it's her school, so yeah. you presume yeah. she, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Jürgen was in um, so the, the the first of the Rialto 
uh Crimi films was was uh 1959 uh so not early 50s at all late 50s um the face of the frog and he was the he was all the been in prison beforehand dave yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah before that they were busy in spandau um, well he, his first role was in 53 so that that doesn't not track in fairness <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he so he's kind of the originator of the of the sort of crummy hero, really. Uh, so I guess it's fitting that he's here at, at sort of uh, literally kind of the death. But, uh, yeah. Other than the that, I have to admit, I, I don't know a huge amount about him. He was also a director, actually. Oh, okay. He directed uh, one of the uh, Harry Allen Towers Fu Manchu movies with with Christopher Lee. So I assume he heard okay. a lot of complaining uh, from Christopher Lee. Uh, <laughs> As did pretty mm. much everyone. Well, although, although weirdly, for some reason, Christopher Lee didn't seem to mind doing the Jess Franco ones. Actually, um, Fussberger was born in twenty-seven, so he probably spared the worst of. Uh, that's why he was. He probably mm. he probably spared the worst of being in the war. Uh, who was I going to go? Oh, sorry. Yes, I remember. Hitler Youth. Well, oh, fuck. Well, he probably probably was. I'm not blaming. Or, I'm not giving the Hitler Youth exactly the same level of accusations as the SS. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Joachim uh, Fuschberger will also crop up, I think, later on in this series, if I've read my films correctly. Are we not doing What Have They Done With Solange? We are doing What Have, what have They Done With Solange. Solange, sorry. And he's in that, playing a very similar role, it appears. He, yeah, uh, yeah I, th- I believe so. Gosh, it's been a while since I've... That's, that's not what sticks out in my mind from <laughs> that particular okay. movie. Okay, I, 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 I have yet to see this. Fair enough. But I do actually have it uh, as a note because of the popularity of the Edgar Wallace movies in Germany and also the Mm. Jally. There are actually quite a few uh, kind of German-Italian co-productions, which to an Italian audience would be very much a Jallo and to to like Western fans very much a Jallo that were sold as crimi in in Germany. And, And what have you done to Solange is one of those. Right. Um, as is even, I mean, the bird with crystal plumage. It really has nothing to do with Edgar Wallace, but that didn't stop them kind of trying to make the connection in sort of the German advertising. And certainly, Argento's follow-up to that Cat of Nine Tails um, is very much kind of marketed and sort of seen as, you know, in, in Germany, it's like, oh, this is a crimi, and that actually does have a bit of a. Um, not a kind of criminal gang, but sort of a, a, an odd conspiracy kind of science theme. It's also not one of his better ones, but it's kind of still kind of interesting. Um, so there are a few of those kind of much more jally, you know, what, what we would think of as jally that, that in Germany kind of had that that push. I mean, even um, Blood and Black Lace, I mean, you, know, you have a German actor playing the inspector so that, you know, they'll have a bit of German production money and in Germany you can push it as, you know, this is this is crimi adjacent. And that one actually probably fits the bill fairly well with kind of the lighting and the kind of fairly complex plot and, you know, you've got, you've got the perfect kind of masked killer using bits of suits of armour and things to uh, to dispatch young women, which is, <laughs> that, that's not a bad crimi plot, to be honest. Mm. Do you want to talk a little about where crimi comes from? Is it is it just a um, a corruption of criminal, as in it's a criminal type film that we're talking something uniquely post war German, or is there is it more complicated than that? So, crimi is a corruption of of uh, criminal film, which is a film about crime, basically. Thanks. Even if I didn't speak a word of German, which I don't. Oh, How did um, you guess? Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's also a criminal. Uh, I mean, my sorry, my German pronunciation is probably worse than my Italian pronunciation, which is going some. But criminal Roman, which is like a, I, I think the effectively a, a German crime novel. So, kind of the the German version of the the Jally books in the kind of purest form before they came movies. And actually, that's a fair point because Edgar Wallace's novels, when published in Italy, were were very much jally they were very much you know the yellow jacketed you know kind of classic jally so it comes from a it's like it has a common ancestry yes absolutely right. and really i mean the, the the reason i think why the films are kind of specifically german uh obviously they were made in germany but it was because you know the the, the first one um der frosch mit der mask or the face of the frog don't have to sound like a gay german <laughs> it doesn't have to be camp i grew up on a low low um that unfortunately is the only the only german i can do everyone has to be left lieutenant gruber you could you could you could be colonel von strong you could be that's you, know, you could be more if belligerent only. yes <laughs> oh, 
The flash with the map. No, it's even always worse. a Gruber, never a. That reminds me. Although they would laugh, like you know, the celery and the flying goggles as sort of the weird <laughs> fetch. Thing. Like what? Do you know what the French did to to women who who went with went with Germans after the liberation? Jesus. Oh, the head oh, shaving and the yeah, 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 yeah. That's, and and the rest. Mm. Anyway, sorry, that was um yeah sorry um go back to your camp. You're Christ listening to World War Two talk. That's what happens when I go in unprepared on a 60s German film. We shouldn't go anything pre-Fassbender. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I think just because Rialto and, and Constance, when they made Face of the Frog, it was yeah a, big, a huge success in Germany. So, so Rialto basically had the rights to that one novel and then kind of went on a, a spending spree to basically just get the rights to everything that Wallace had written uh, with a view to adapting them. Uh, f- freely adapting in, in, I think, most cases, uh, because as I said, I mean, this is like the third adaptation of one particular story, and I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Edgar Wallace, who died in the 1930s, I think. He died before the war. Oh, I was going to mention it again, but yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going out on a limb and and guessing that he didn't have a bible that shot nerve gas uh, i may be wrong i i have not read the the source novel as is my want but yeah i do think that um probably uh much like the edgar wallace presents series in in the uk that yeah this is you know this is edgar wallace in name only i'm i'm assuming this didn't get a uk release well it has oh, an okay. english dub so it i i think it at least had an american release because i've watched both versions and the the dub does not really add to the proceedings apart from making it slightly more ridiculous i saw someone someone saying um yeah, one of the reasons they didn't work out. If you watch all the cars are German, and and they and the the wheels were on the left hand on the left hand side of the car, and I was like, that is not the thing that destroys the the versimilitude of this film. For me. I've got to say, it's, it doesn't. <laughs> Well, it's not a, no, the Rolls Royce is German. The other, the, the other cars are. I just like it doesn't matter. Like, they're all for start. They're all speaking German. <laughs> yeah. what, what gave away it wasn't shot in yeah. England. I mean, presumably some of them would come over here just be arrested for anyway. Um, well, yeah, but quite a lot of them couldn't couldn't enter. You know, perhaps they can't film around here because they bombed bombed it. So I've just uh, just turned into Stan Boardman. Welcome to the Faulty Towers cast. <laughs> I was going to go for the the Stan Boardman thing. <laughs> Uncle's chip shop is bombed by the Germans. I mean, I feel like you know, because because I think it's turned into sort of a, a bit of a drinking game when we do Doctor Who references, which we have, you know, obviously had. Well, I just have that as a regular a regular touchstone. So yes. I feel like you know now now we're going to get to like terrible seventies comedians. Yes, but I mean the Doctor Who. The reason I was asking about the release dates is because the he's got a web gun, mm. and a year later the web of fear would um, have an equally nonsensical plot when they would do a, a sequel to The Abominable Snowman, not the Hammer film, the, the Doctor Who serial, where um, a guy was looking for for the Yeti, and the Great Intelligence has has Yeti, and they were there, but they're robots. Uh, but that makes sense because we're in Tibet. Well, we're in Wales, but you know, um, filmed about the same time as carrying up the Kyber at the same location. By the way, uh, but it was really successful. So. Um, a few months later, they did a sequel. The same writer, Harvey Maisman and Henry Lincoln. But they set it in the London Underground this time with the great intelligence. But they still had the Yeti for reasons that are never fully, fully explained. And this time the Yeti have web guns for reasons that are never fully explained. And it's just a gun that doesn't look the same. But the idea of the gun sort of kills people by firing web into their face. And it just seemed very similar in style to this and this was a year earlier mm. and doctor who is known for well as the writer david aronovich says talent borrows genius steals and doctor who writers get wholesale off the back of a lorry no questions asked uh god it wasn't released in denmark until 1970 that must have been a fun trip to the what should we do today watch the germans oh my god i've just realized what if this is like an alternative world war post world war Two, where it's just britain's full of people speaking german <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, so it's an alternate yeah, reality. It's like, okay. It's like the man in the high castle. It's fatherland. And shit. Harsh. So Robert Harris isn't listening. <laughs> no, no, I, I was talking about this. Oh, okay, not, the not man in the high castle. <laughs> For, actually, fatherland I never read. The man in the high castle I have read because I, uh, I went through a uh, 
Philip K. Dick phase. Um, I went through a dick phase at college, as many people do. I feel like, as as with the film, well, I think, I th- um, we have devolved somewhat, but it's um, it's quite an enjoyable devolvement because what else is there to say, really? Well, there is. I mean, I, I as you know, I go into these blind, so I just generally ask the questions. And this is not quite as in your wheelhouse as, say, the Italian mm. stuff, where you can reel off you can reel off your facts and do your notes. Um, probably with a lot more depth of knowledge than you might have to if this if you're not seen as much of the crimmy. Well, and there's a lot uh, more writing on Jelly as well. I mean, that ultimately, I think, is part of the issue because, the, right, the, the, okay. you know, Jelly have had this very slightly poncy and pretentious, to be honest, kind of reassessment over over time that, you know, now there is a, a lot of critical writing uh, of varying levels of quality, wildly varying levels of quality. Um, but a lot of those directors and and actors you know have had yeah you know, huge but i mean you know my, i have a mario barva book that i can't read on my lap because my feet the cuts off the circulation of my feet you know that's kind of the the level of intensity with which you know a lot of those people have been examined and, and the, the same is just not true of the crimi because it hasn't really traveled that much you know you, there, there are some english friendly ones that you can get mostly from germany and there have been a few releases not really in the uk in the us they've had there've been some kind of dvd releases of select of the films but it's kind of it, it's it hasn't had the tipping point yet it may it may at some point a bit like the sort of polizia teshi is kind of now where the jello was probably like six seven years ago when you they were very you know they were, there were a few that you could see if they were by kind of dario argento and then all of the others were like oh if you've got a tape of that that's cool and of course now there's actually not that many of the kind of major ones that you can't get hold of in lavish arrow special editions so also tripping me up as well as my own stupidity is just the fact that they're actually much harder to kind of delve into um, in any kind of major way. Now, that, that doesn't mean I couldn't have watched some others and gone, yeah, that's a much more fitting crossover point. And Double Face has come out from Arrow, so I've got no excuse. Is it so as part of the it's much better travel? Sorry, Crimi is far uh, less well known because Jello is far better traveled. Mm. Is that partly because, you know, it's a lot cooler? It's it's seen as having a more stylish aesthetic, not unlike the Italians versus well, the, the the Germans. <laughs> no, that isn't an attack. I mean, it's generally Italian. No, no, no. I, 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 yeah, I, know, I know what you're getting at. And, and probably true, and also just by the nature of things which get fandoms. Certainly, I think the jelly, you know, but by the time that the, the, the Crimi are wrapping up, you know, the the jelly are starting to throw in you know nudity, gratuitous violence, gratuitous violence and nudity, um, and those things you know inevitably have an audience. And it would be you know disingenuous of me to say like part of the reason I find you know jelly entertaining is because they are excessive and and sleazy and trashy uh, in a way that the crimi aren't really. So at least the ones that I've seen. There may be one from 64, which is just obscene, but I, I think it unlikely. So I think, you know, the, the the excess of the jelly probably is, as well as the the kind of, the, the prurient excess of the jelly, as well as the stylistic excess of the jelly, is probably what keeps it, what has made it something that's become, you know, a, a, a niche fandom that, um, that fortunately lots of people have, which is why we're doing this, but I don't think that's as true of the Crimi. Mm. I think if you're kind of a fan of sort of Eurospy, you know, sort of German and French James Bond knockoffs, this this is probably much more in your wheelhouse. Now, I like all of those things, so, you know, it, it all works for me, but those kind of films don't travel that much. No. I suppose I'm trying to think of, like, I mean, there's an obvious large amount of Edgar Wallace that's been used in, in Britain in Crimi and in and in Jelly, is that just because it just has a, a quite an easy plot style, or just um, well recognised tropes, or rights were particularly convenient? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, mm. I, I imagine probably a, a, a bit of all of those. Um, right, okay. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, he he's, you know, you're not you're not adapting you know, the Grapes of Wrath or something like that, are you? It's, you know, it's sort of the even if you are kind of freestyling... If it, you were, <laughs> there'd be like some murderous raisins uh, attack. <laughs> a- attacking people. Or they'd just be... Or, or there would just be you smother people with bunches of grapes yeah. and the juice drowns them. 
I mean, there is that. That's that. That's the creamy grapes of Roth. <laughs> there, there is that. Um, the French horror director, whose name temporarily escapes me, who made a film about great uh, sort of grapes that turn people into zombies. Oh, Jean Jean Roland. Jean Roland, yeah. Speaking of films that are wildly, tonally bizarre and incoherent, uh, Jean Roland. <laughs> completely lost the plot there. Uh, much like the movie I, I think to be honest it was it was always it was all this is not a film that relates itself to like an hour of near academic levels of analysis no very much not just this for a, for a beer for a beer fire film classics are we you know the um the short books yeah yeah mm, yeah i mean i, I don't recommend. like kim newman God. has inevitably seen it so that's true crim no i don't know that's not even, that's not even crim newman that's pretty now. good Krim Newman, yeah. Newman with a U, probably. Not Kim man. Neumann. Krim Neumann. Neumann. Krim Neumann. It's... What the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> not even drunk. Not even drinking. I mean, I've had a glass of wine, but I mean, not enough to have... This, this is just my normal level of, of rampant stupidity. <laughs> anyway, Dave, what are we looking at next? And please God, it's not another one of these. Uh, well, next time you will be delighted to hear that we are back... Uh, in Italy, on the kind of yeah. sensible trail <laughs> for, for a given value of sensible. Uh, so we are back with um, the lovely Carol Baker in the first of the five jelly that she did with Umberto Lenzi. Uh, and we will be watching Orgasmo. Oh, God. God, um, join me and Dave for Orgasmo. There's a sentence I've never said before. And hopefully never will again. <laughs> Um, but yes, this was, um, do you know what? This was actually slightly more fun than watching the fucking College Girl Murders. <laughs> Until next time. Thank you very much. Next time, we delve back into the world of proper jelly with Carol Baker and Umberto Lenzi joining forces for the first time in the subtly titled... Orgasmo. Please join us and thanks for listening. I didn't expect to do a Stan Boardman impression. Just pausing because my IMDb has gone to shit. My IMDb has gone to shit. It's given me some facts that are demonstrably untrue. Nigel Neal was born on the 28th of April. I don't care what you've read. You can edit this out later, it's fine. This can be a special extra episode. For the Patriots. For the Patriots. <laughs>